Hey everybody, welcome back to Soul Focus Radio. This is your host D. I'm here with uh my brother, colleague, comrade, best friend, Madi. What's up, Madi? Everything, 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 everything. Just uh just really excited about being able to do these podcasts and uh to be able to get over to people the things that they need to make that critical shift at a critical point in time in the history of life, history of humanity. I appreciate you, brother Dustin, family best friend and uh happy we on this journey together brother me too man me too you know my d one of the things i know you know this about me man but the work that we're doing this is not work i feel like i'm playing all the time like bro i wake up you know i i heard pete carroll talk about this you know coach of the seahawks he said uh when his alarm clock goes off he gets up and high fives it he's like man i get to wake up and coach football right that's that's how i feel about this bro i get to wake up and do this you know, I get to wake up and be a father. I get to wake up and, and, and experience myself, man. I, I just, I love the life that we're building together, man. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Likewise, brother. Likewise. So, you know, uh, Madi, of course, you know this, and I want our listeners to know this, is one of the things that Madi and I have bonded over is our uh, mutual love of being fathers. And, you know, one of the th- I learned so much from him as a father. And I, of course, share my journey as a father. We learn from each other. And, you know, our kids are going through, you know, thinking about, you know, Nico and Elijah, heaven and all that. They're they're coming of age in a world where people are walking around with masks. And there's a lot of energy in this world due to this coronavirus. And before we jump into the heart of our conversation for this podcast, you know, Madi, what are some of the things you're sharing with your children uh, in terms of their processing of what's happening in the world right now. Mm, that's interesting. The one of the first things I'd share with them is to share with them the, the idea of listening to what they see. Mm-hmm. Right. Because <clears throat> oftentimes we think as parents that our job is to always be the one that's departing something wisdom to them. When in reality, that's a, it's a real balance. They are capable of departing wisdom into us and listening to what they see, uh, especially at the age that my two younger ones at uh, 14 and 10 uh, and how they see this, you know, this unfolding in the world. My 10 year old, she was homeschooled already. So this has not interrupted her lifestyle at all. And she has been excited about the fact that her big sister <laughs> Hmm. Is now home hmm. with her doing the same thing. So, and when she was when she was five, she told us that she wanted to be homeschooled. So hmm. that was a wisdom in and of itself because she, you know, did not want to go to the schools that everybody else had gone to. It's something about the energy in the schools, and she's a one of those type of children that had the courage. What courage? She just in her natural expression, expressed what her desires were. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I thank God for the wisdom uh, to be the type of parent to listen, not thinking that you know all the answers and all the, you know, have all the solutions because parents don't. And to be able to tell our children truthfully that we don't have all the solutions, we, sometimes we don't know things is so important for our children to hear from us. I agree. That we are not all wise, that we are learning just as they are learning as we go. And uh, to be able to get feedback from them as in terms of how they see and what this experience is for them. And for the most part, they are enjoying the fact that they get a chance to 
live more because you know mm-hmm. schools have been so much compiled with you know you take these you take all these kids and you put them in the classroom which is completely outdated and just in terms of the model for education and you force them to stay in there when they could they could be learning everything they're learning in that whole day within a few hours if they were of course being homeschooled or if they had time to just to concentrate on whatever subject matter that they are are really interested in. Now, here's the thing that we've been doing as parents. We've been working with them to help them get clearer on what they feel like their gift is. So we we see what some of their gifts are, and we've been working with them to cultivate that, but we've been also, during this time, giving them opportunity to get into more personal and in-depth study of what they feel like their gift is, what they feel like they want to do with their life. You know, because going to school don't necessarily have anything to do with you getting focused on your gift. You know, you could be learning all these subjects and never get focused on your gift and never get focused on the thing that you do with the least amount of effort that you produce the biggest outcome from. So for our kids to have this time to get more focused on that, because their mother, Stephanie, Dr. Stephanie, she does an excellent job before this coronavirus happened with helping them to do that, taking them on field trips. I take them on field trips, doing things that are in alignment with what they desire for themselves, knowing that education is only a supplement. It's not the answer. As parents, for us to think that education is supposed to equip our children with what they need, they already came into this world equipped with everything they need. We just have Mm -hmm. to have to, you know, help them to refine their gifts. So they go out into the world and be a, a healthy, happy human being that's working on what gives them passion or gives them the, desire and happiness versus doing something for a job or doing something to make a certain amount of money and you're miserable every day doing what you do. I, I want my kids to have a life. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, it, you know, listening to our children, it, t- it took me back to my oldest son, Kalen. I remember one time we were um, at a grocery store and we had went in and bought the stuff we needed to buy as we were coming out here in Seattle, there's a lot of homeless people that'll be, you know, asking for money right outside of the grocery store. And, you know, most people walk by them as a nuisance. Right. And I remember Kaylin saying to me, Daddy, how is it that he's out here hungry and all that food is in that grocery store? Mm. And, and that 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 was so illuminating to me. And, you know, one time we were, you know, we were listening to a Malcolm X CD in the car and Kaylin at a young age talking about how they soak up stuff at a young age her malcolm say that if someone asks for money you have to give it to you know most people say well they're gonna go use it for drugs or getting drunk right but malcolm would say you don't know what they're gonna use it for so you have to give it to them if you have it and every time we would walk by a homeless person you know sometimes because i was so disconnected in in many ways to other human beings i I would be looking at them as a nuisance too but kayla would always stop me so no daddy you got to give them something right and so Thinking about the lessons that we get from our children, bro. And I I don't know if you remember this, but we were both in New York and I can't remember what we was in New York for, but we ended up having this really powerful conversation about the most important job for us as parents is to protect the childhood of our children. And as yes. we're talking about creation and knowing that when we don't protect our children, their natural expression gets swallowed up into ego, into the programming. And so, I, you know, I, I would love for you to talk about that notion of our job as parents, you know, we're talking about creation and, and, and supporting our children in terms of being creators and creating the life that they want to experience. 
speak on that, bro. Why it's so important to protect the childhood of our children, especially to protect their natural expression. Here's a question I would ask every parent listening to this podcast. I want you to think about what impressions have you been making on your kids? And when I say impression, I mean, what mark are you leaving on their subconscious mind based upon the decisions that you've made as an adult? Because whatever those impressions are will become programs or patterns in their subconscious mind that they will be dealing with later in their lives. So our job is to be careful about what impressions we make on their young minds, giving them the space to make up their own mind on their own, giving them the time, the space to figure out who they are and then impress upon themselves who they want to be out in the world. See, as parents, we are, we, we're the biggest perpetuators of this bullshit mm-hmm. because we won't admit that a lot of things that were taught to us were not good for us. They were all that we had, and it's not putting our parents down. They were all that our parents knew how to do, and we loved them and appreciating them for doing the best that they know how to do, knew how to do. But at the same time, we have to also recognize that there is room for not just improvement, but evolution, improvement for evolvement, the evolvement of our mind. So if I'm standing on the shoulders of my father, then I have to see what my father didn't see, which means that I have to do what my father didn't do with me and my mother didn't do with me. So that wisdom has to be applied to our kids. So The biggest thing you could do is give your children space to make up their mind without you impressing upon them how important it is for them to be what you want them to be. (laughs) Because that's the that's the greatest damage we do to our children. We are so confident about what we want them to be until we don't allow them to be who they already are. (laughs) And then when they start having to deal with the struggle and the conflict with themselves, of trying to grasp how they're going to exist in this world, seeing who they are and then seeing who you want them to be and knowing that they're going to have to choose between the two Mm. and that you created that choice, you know, making them feel like they can't be themselves. They have to be what you want them to be. Then they go on to become adults and they do stuff to please you. And they're not happy. They start doing things, destructive things for their life because they're in conflict with their lives. And so that conflict must be manifested in, the things around them versus if you allow them to make up their own mind, to find harmony within themselves. Like you take, for example, my middle daughter of 14 year old, she's a second degree black belt in Hapkido, right? Right. And when we put her in the class when she first started, because we thought she was, you know, kind of a little timid, she's real nice. And we thought, you know, going to school that we didn't want her to be a pushover. So, we put in the in, and she used to be like, you know, at first she wasn't quite sure she wanted to be in it, but you know, but she could see and she trusted us. And I let me stop right there because that is the most important thing. Hmm. Your kids need to trust you, and, and you have to win that trust. You know, it doesn't come. I would say it, it does come naturally, but you have to maintain it. You have to maintain that trust hmm. because I saw that with my oldest daughter. She didn't trust us as parents. because, And the reason why, because I made a lot of mistakes. Her mother made a lot of mistakes. We both as parents made a lot of mistakes. And here's the mistakes that we made. We kept putting, we kept impressing upon her, our vision of life. 
Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't really give her the opportunity to hear what her impression was mm-hmm. and to see what her impression of herself was. And then to help reinforce the, her impression of herself onto herself. Because kids come out with a beautiful impression of themselves, having the, the type of emotional fury that we can bring uh, into our children's life. We impress upon them and they then take up on our impression rather than their own. She, you know, second degree uh, black belt in Hapkido. And my point was, is that in her journey in this, trusting us in her journey, she discovered that she was a black belt. She didn't know she was a black belt. She didn't become a black belt. She was already a black belt. <laughs> And just it just brought it out of her. So our job as children, as parents, right. is to put our kids in the position to discover what's in them. We didn't force her to go. We allowed her to build up momentum. We asked her to go, and we asked her to try it out. And she went to the first class. She says, "I don't know if I could do this, Daddy, but it's all right." Second class, I really like it. I like the instructor. Third class, I really like the instructor. So then she was going on a regular basis. And once she got brown belt and such and such, she st- that momentum started building up, but she was already that. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So then once she, once she achieved the second degree black belt, you know, she, she felt like she was done because she had woken up something in herself. And then she came home and she says, you know what? After The day after she got her second degree, she says, you know what? I, I want to tell y'all what I want to do with my life. And we say, what you want to do? She says, I want to be a brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. She says, I want to save people's lives. Now, I don't know how she made the connection from becoming a black belt to a brain surgeon, but her becoming a black belt woke up the next thing she is inside of her. So our jobs as as parents is to put them in the right environment to help awaken aspects of themselves that they don't even know that's there. But at some point, they will realize that it's in there for them to discover. You get what I'm saying? Beautiful, bro. Beautiful. You know, as you said that, you know, I've heard someone recently say that we've been taught that our kids come from us, but the truth is our kids come through us. They come through us, right? We are we are <laughs> we are the just guardians. We are guardians. You know, our job is to hold the line. And what I mean by hold the line, to give them the opportunity to wake up. Right. From their spiritual amnesia, the amnesia that all of us come into this world with is a part of the agreement. When we cross over from the spiritual realm into the physical realm, in order for us to not not be aware of the pain that we go through being in a growing in such a small space in our mother's stomach, that stuff is, is erased from our memory. So we can't remember how awkward the pain of our bones developing in our mother's womb. That's a painful thing. Bones developing and being bent in a certain way for nine months. That is not a pretty sight when you think about the development of life. So we we shield that from our conscious mind. So every child born is born with a certain degree of spiritual amnesia where our job as parents is to hold a line to give them opportunity to remember. Mm. To remember. That's our job. And we as parents, if we do a good job of helping them to remember, oh my God, the rest gonna take care of itself. Because they're going to know the value of their first agreement. They are more likely to not break their first agreement like we did. Right. You know, to please our parents or please other people. Right. Right. So, so Madi, as you're talking, you know, one of the things that made me think of, you talk about uh, martial arts. And, you know, my older son, Kalen, was also a black belt in Taekwondo. So I always had this notion, you know, having Nico, having Elijah, that they're all going to do martial arts. Right. But one of the things I'm seeing with Nico is that, Already at two, he's an amazing artist. 
Like you, mm. you've seen some of the art. You've been, you've yes, been here, I have. some of the art. This whole room is full of art. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's like, you know, sometimes we have a tendency, you know, that that worked for Kalen. You know, that was something that was beautiful for Kalen, right? Then, mm-hmm. of course, he chose, you know, he chose basketball over martial arts because that was another something else inside of him, right? And so one of the things that I'm learning in this process is just to be quiet and listen, not to force mm-hmm. what I, you know, the rope plan on him because it was so good for Kalen and it's going to be, you know, good for Nico. Who knows? He might like it down the line, but I'm definitely, he's telling me that he's an artist right now. He's telling You're both right. me and Megan that he's an artist right now. Right. right? Is that a beautiful thing? It's incredible, man. It's incredible. And, you know, it's so funny when we think about the way the world has taught many of us to be parents. It's like we create many dictatorships in our homes, right? Mm. But we'll be the first ones to cry about injustice in the world. But we create dictatorships in our own homes. Exactly. Because we, we want our kids to be what we think that they are or should be based upon what we didn't do and what we didn't accomplish. And we become tyrants. A lot of parents are tyrants. And we're in our mind, our mind is not, we haven't expanded our mind enough to give them room to explore who they are without us judging them. So here we are judging our kids. And we're really, what we are not even judging our kids, we're judging ourselves that we see in our kids. Mm. Right. Mm. And, and, and we're not showing compassion to the self, the us that we see in them, just like we're not showing compassion to ourselves now. So if we, when we start as parents to show compassion to ourselves, we show compassion to ourselves and our children. And we we extend to our kids the the space to explore what it means to be your loving self. You know, because most of us didn't get the opportunity to really just love ourselves and learn to love ourselves, you know, without it being made to be weird. I remember when I was I was a very sensitive child, not, you know, sensitive in a way where I mean, I was an empath, still are empath. But I didn't I didn't know that I was empath at five years old. Mm-hmm. So how it came out was I would feel so much for people. And when I would be around people who were in pain, I would it would just bring me to tears. And my uncles would say, boy, you're going to grow up to be nothing but a punk, nothing but a fag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back then, you know, where we were at that time, I mean, that was like that was like a curse word. The last thing I wanted to be was that based upon where we were and how we were taught to see things. And so I suppressed so much of my feminine expression. Because I didn't want to be what my uncle projected, impressed upon me that I would be if I stayed in tune with my feminine expression. My feminine expression is my empath, my empath ability. That's a feminine expression. And we don't realize that. So I suppressed it for a long time. And as a result of suppressing it, I became a very violent person. Thank God I had football as a means to express that violence that came about as a result of having to suppress that part of myself. You get what I'm saying? Cause that part of myself was the creative intuitive part that can see things and hear things that people didn't understand. And my uncles met, they met well for me. They, they were trying to protect me, but they, but they impressed upon me was their perception of that expression. Mm-hmm. They were impressing upon me their fear of their perception of that expression, hmm. their own uncomfortableness. And it would take me years to become comfortable with that aspect of myself. So I had to waken up in me, my ex. Hmm. See, because every, every man has an X in them, in their chromosome, just like we have a Y. So right. in, in female, they have the, you know, they have, they have the double X, 
but as a part of that, that double X, you know, of course, all life comes from the female. So there has to be a Y in there somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. but, but in most men, we suppress our X, but you, you can hold it down only for a certain amount of time. It's going to come out in some way. And, and usually it comes out like it came out with me, it came out violently. There was my ex wanting to come out, wanting to right. balance me out in a way where this intuitive power that I had, this, you know, a clairvoyant power, this being the empath, that that power and all those spiritual powers that come from that feminine expression, I was suppressing mm-hmm. because the world, the adults around me had a different impression of it. Right. So it took me a while to recalibrate, to get back to that and the thing that made me get back to it was I became so dissatisfied with my life. Hmm. You know, and I heard the question that I think so many other people hear in their mind. The rhetorical question is there has to be more to life than this. That's a rhetorical question. Yes, you know that there is because you know that there's more to you than this because you feel that something is missing. And the reason why you feel like something is missing because something is that some part of you, you keep leaving behind. You don't want to, that's not a prison sentence you want to pass on to your children. Right. Right. If you understand how much you've suffered in this, that's not a prison sentence you want to pass on to your kids. And so, Madi, you know, we're coming coming towards the end of our recording today. But I, I do want to, I, I want to do a exercise with you before we leave. And, you know, as we talk about this power of creation and we talk about our children and, you know, understanding we live in a world that is, you know, has racism and patriarchy and, and poverty and all kinds of forms of oppression. And we think about the power of creation and we think about the power of human solidarity and self-solidarity. What is your vision for a world that we could create? When you think about there's going to be a time when we're not going to be here, me, you and many of the folks listening here, but our children will be. What world do we want to create for them with the energy mm. that we have right now mm. in this realm? I want you to imagine, everybody's just listening, if you close your eyes and imagine how beautiful the world would be if everybody were honest with each other. If who people say who they are is who they are. And no one is trying to be something that they are not for someone else. Everybody is on their right course. And so because they're on their right course, they are happy, fulfilled, and healthy. Their minds are healthy. They're not trying to compete with other people to prove that they're better than or less than anyone else. They are seeking to be equal to themselves because they feel the joy in their heart that comes with being feeling equal to you knowing that you are adding up to who you always thought you were from the very beginning. Mm. So imagine what we can create out in the world if everybody felt like they were adding up because they were adding up to themselves. No more war, no more confusion. We can actually enjoy life. We could determine whatever we want to determine to be the currency, and the currency would be love more than anything else. That to get what we want in life, we'd have to demonstrate love. In love and then in return, give to us whatever we need. There would be a surplus of everything because we are creating all of it from the void of nothingness anyway. Everything that you see came from nothing. So everything else will come from nothing. That's what you can do when, you're, when your mind is clear, when you have clarity. You can create from nothing because everything came from nothing. And everything t- returns 
to nothing. Because we ain't never been a thing. <laughs> we have always been that which creates a thing. So we are no thing. Every no thing has access to everything. And the only time we can be that no thing is when we let go of all this stuff. The idea that we own this stuff, that we possess this stuff, that this defines who we are or means we're less than who we are or whatever based upon stuff. It's all bullshit. Imagine knowing everybody's good. Not just good, perfect good. That's what I say. Beautiful. Beautiful, bro. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you to our listeners for staying with us on this journey. We love you. We ask you to stay tuned for the next podcast because we're going to continue these beautiful conversations. And that's what they are, beautiful conversations. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. Thank you, brother. Everybody, peace. Peace.